This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. What's up, people? How you guys doing? Hey, I want to officially welcome you all to National Make It to Church on Time Sunday. You had some time to sleep in. Maybe some of you thought you were, uh, you know, coming to the 12:30, but we're glad that you guys are here for a 10:45. Uh, my name's Colby. I'm the pastor here, and we're in this series called Killjoy. In fact, today we're wrapping up the series. And before we kind of get into the topic and what we're going to talk about today, let me just encourage you to go out this week and vote. This is not going to be a political message, but here's what I want to say. We have that right. You know, men and women have suffered and died for us to have that right. So make sure that you go out and vote. However, just remember this. Um, The change that this world needs and is waiting for is not out there somewhere. I truly believe that it's in here. I truly believe that the church is the hope of the world. So at the end of the day, right, when the polls close the Jesus is still Lord and God is still sovereign so I just say pray pray we need prayer good Lord help us we need prayer but vote you know according to biblical values just go out and do that all right today today we're going to talk about though the haters now it'd be real easy to talk about politics you know when we talk about haters I'm not going to do that. We're going to talk about the haters, those, those critical people in our lives, the, the ones that kill our joy through criticism. Now, how many of you, by show of hands, you know people that are haters, that are critics in your life? Raise your hand. Now, those of you today that are like, I hate it. Every single week, you ask me to raise my hand. Just so you know, we're talking about you. You're the hater. Stop being the hater. Um, the reality is we all deal with, with, with critics in our life. Uh, we're going to talk about positive. We're going to talk about negative critics. But you need to know that this is something that's been going on since the beginning of time. In fact, there are several different examples in God's word uh, of critics. And when we deal with critics, those who kill our joy through criticism, it really can be painful. And so we need to make sure that we're navigating it in a spirit-led way. But let me, let me give you three different examples really quick uh, of people in scripture who are overly critical. One is, maybe you can relate to this, if you married someone that your family doesn't like, then you have something in common with Moses. We learn in Moses, uh, in, in Moses, in Numbers 12, that Moses' brother and sister Miriam and Aaron like criticized him for having a Cushite wife. So they were critical of him. We also see in the New Testament where people criticized the Apostle Paul for apparently not being a great communicator. Because often in Paul's writings, we would see him get a little bit defensive. He was saying things like, well, I might not be eloquent, but I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching the good news. Now, we don't know, right, if he was a good communicator or a bad communicator. We do know 
that he was not very concise. Because there's a story in Acts chapter 20 where the Bible says he went on one day and was preaching in this upper room, like three stories up, and he just kind of went on and on and on and on into the night. And there was this young guy there named Eutychus who was sitting in the, the window, and then Paul went on so long that this guy got bored and fell asleep, and he fell out of the window. Acts 20, look it up fell out of the window, and he's like swearing on the way down. Ah, I don't know what he's saying, but he hits the ground and dies. Eutychus. Eutychus too, cuss too, if you'd have fallen out of the window. <laughs> not, not so good, not so good, all right. He didn't swear falling out of the window, but he didn't die. Paul goes down, raises him from the dead, brings him back up, and continues to preach through the night. Now, you might not like my preaching, but to the best of my knowledge, no one has ever fallen out of a window and died because of it, all right? The reality is we all deal with critics, and especially when it's family, especially when it's someone close to us, it can be very, very painful. And of course, Jesus, right, was criticized all the time. This man who was perfect in every way, without sin, was criticized by Pharisees, by Roman soldiers, criticized for healing people on the Sabbath, criticized for for hanging out and eating with, with sinners and on and on. The reality is this, no one is immune to it. You will be criticized. I know a little bit about this. I'm kind of a, a magnet for criticism. Um, people will say a lot of different things and pick apart me, my family, do whatever, uh, especially now since Kristen's pregnant again with our fourth. I've heard all the jokes. You're clapping for that. She probably wants to kill everybody right now. I'm just saying. She's got a couple months left. She's feeling it. Um, but, but we hear everything like, you know, you're going to have four kids? Like, don't you know what causes that? You know, we've heard that before. And of course, I'm like, yes, we know what causes it. That's why we got some more kids coming. But we've also heard that, well, man, your youngest is, is seven. You know, it's going to be seven by the time the baby comes. You know, are you sure it's yours? I'll even hear stuff like that. Yeah, right. See? Haters. Haters. And of course, we're, we're pretty sure that it's mine, but... No, it is, it is, it is, it is. You guys know that, you guys know that. I, I've told you about that. Um, listen, I'm already going to get in trouble, so I'm sure I'm going to have a conversation after this with my wife. But in the church world, we're criticized for being too loud. The music's, you know, too loud, uh, or, or maybe I'm criticized for not being deep enough, and, may, and maybe that's true. You know, I don't know, I'm criticized for the way I dress, you won't believe it, but when I first wore joggers up on this stage, like the amount of people, people don't comment on the message ever. They just comment on what I wear. So I wore some joggers and I almost like split the church because I had on joggers. And then the next week when I wore normal pants, you know, somebody said, well, I love the joggers. So I'm criticized if I do. I'm criticized if I, I don't, right? We all have to recognize that we will be criticized. Now, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's people at school. Maybe they criticize you for being, you know, oh, holier than thou. You know, you didn't come out and hang, without, hang out with us at the party. Or, or what do you think you're doing? You're saving yourself for marriage? How, how ridiculous is that? Maybe you're criticized for that. Maybe you're criticized by family members. 
I can't believe the way you spend your money. I can't believe the way that you raise your kids. I can't believe the way you don't spend your money. I can't believe the, the, the path of life that you've, you've chosen to take. And you know what I'm learning? Some of you moms, you just can't win. You really can't win. Uh, it's like if you're a stay-at-home mom, the working moms are like, you know, what, you don't do anything with your life? Or if you're a working mom, the stay-at-home moms are like, what, so you don't love your children? Right? I'm understanding that it's hard for you to even win. Maybe it's in your marriage. And unfortunately, they, there are some very painful marriages and your spouse nitpicks everything that you do. I don't like the way you chew your food. Don't like the way you breathe. I don't like the way you, you load the dishwasher. Don't like the way you, you know, fold the laundry. Don't like the way you, you wiggle your feet constantly all the time. That's the one I get. Don't like the way you sneeze. I'm just sneezing. Give me a break. Just sneezing. Don't like anything. Or maybe it's a passive aggressive kind of criticism. Oh, well, looks like someone's been eating well, haven't they? Mm -hmm. Heard that one? Putting on a few LBs there. Pants don't fit like they used to. Or maybe, maybe someone picks you apart because of your past. And they're constantly bringing up the old stuff. Something that happened 30 years ago. They're still criticizing you, dragging it into the present. Or if we're being honest, Christians can be the most critical of other Christians. Pointing the finger. Oh, I can't believe you're reading out of that version of the Bible, or you know, if you were godly and more spiritual, you would be married by now. That's a, that's a rough one. Or some people would say, you know, well, if you don't have this specific spiritual gift, then you're not really a follower of Jesus. Or I know some of you have heard this, oh, you go to that church. Mm. I've heard about that church, right? Don't drink the Kool-Aid at that church kind of thing. And we've been called a cult, you know, many times. And here's what I want to say. If, if, if you haven't been called a cult every now and then as a church, then you're not doing jack, all right? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. It just happens. On and on and on, criticism comes. And it's hurtful. Um, and it can rip your heart out. So this is what I want to do today. I want to talk about four things. Four things, if you want to write these down, on how we cope with the critics in our life. And before we unpack some of the, the, the teaching on the unfair criticism, uh, we would miss a big opportunity to talk about constructive criticism. Because we, we miss a lot of times the value of constructive criticism. It would be a huge mistake to ignore that. So the first one is this, if you want to write it down, know when to receive it. No one to receive from the critic. No one to receive the, the, the constructive criticism. In fact, you can write this down too. Never underestimate the value of constructive criticism. In other words, eat the fish and leave the bones, right? Eat the good stuff, take the good stuff, leave, leave all the bad stuff, but never underestimate the value of constructive criticism. Proverbs 15 says this, if you listen to constructive criticism, where will you live? You will be at home among the wise. We're wise when we listen to constructive feedback. But if, on the other hand, you reject this type of criticism, you only harm yourself. 
One of the most valuable things that you can do as a leader, as a parent, as a, an employee, as an employer, is to crave helpful feedback, to listen to constructive criticism, something that, that, that we do every single week here after the first service, I get together with, with Dave uh, and we talk through the order. We say, all right, what, what can we do different? What didn't work? What, what did work? What was communicated well? What, what are we kind of missing? Or I'll talk with my wife about, you know, things, you know, when I said this or that, what does that look like? And oftentimes, and probably what I'm going to hear today after this is, you know, hey, hey, Colby, that joke didn't work. When you talk about Eutychus falling, mm, that didn't work so well kind of thing. And so we'll make some adjustments. We, we constantly want to get better. In fact, we have team rally, the, our serve teams that happen every single Sunday at 8.30 in this room. They come together and they, they rally together. They talk about the wins. And we have one of our leaders come up and communicate and really share with our people some wins and then, and then pray with them. And after that, we get down and, and they usually come and ask, so what can we do differently? What can we do better? We are desperately trying uh, to, to get better at serving God through his church. Constructive criticism can be a critical part of life. So we need to value constructive criticism. Uh, value it in your marriage. When someone who loves you and cares for you offers you some loving feedback, value it in your workplace. When your boss you know, wants to sit you down and offer you some, some loving feedback or, or as an employee or you know, even from your kids. If your kids are saying, mom or dad, you know, you're always yelling at me, it could be that you're always yelling at them. Constructive criticism is valuable. It's life changing. No one to receive it. So again, it'd be completely inappropriate for us to omit the value of constructive criticism, but that's not really what we're going to talk about for the remainder of their time. We're going to talk about unfair criticism. We're going to talk about unjustified, unfounded criticism. How do we, how do we manage that, right? How do we cope with that kind of criticism? And as always, we really need God's spirit spirit in us to help manage this, to help navigate this. Because whenever we deal with relationships, it gets a little bit tense. It gets a little bit, you know, sketchy from time to time. And rather than respond in the flesh when someone criticizes us, we want to react in a godly way, spirit-led direction. So number two is this, write this down, know when to respond to the critic. Know when to respond to the critic. And we're talking about unfair criticism. Now notice I didn't say when to react to it, but that's what we often do. We often just blow up. Well, how dare you say that about me? You know, how, how, how could you? Uh, we get upset about it. We'll get online on Facebook and we'll start, you know, you're firing back. Well, I can't believe what so-and-so said. And listen, can I just tell you something? Stop um, trying to solve your private problems in a public forum. Like, for the love, just cut that out. But that's what we do. We, we need to know when to respond to it. Don't tweet angry at people. Don't twangry at people. That's a new one. You can use that one. Like, don't do that to your boss. You don't tweet, you know, mad about your mom. Don't tweet mad about your pastor. Just, just don't do that, right? But know when to respond. We need to prayerfully consider how to respond to the critic, and especially if you're leading anything. Like, don't be a defensive leader. You weaken your credibility when you do that. Ask God to help you know how to respond. Now, quite honestly, most of the time, you might not need to respond. 
God's going to speak to your, your heart. You should just kind of dismiss it. We're going to talk about that. But there are times when a spirit-led explanation can help bring about understanding. And understanding would often diffuse some unfair criticism in your life. We're going to take a look at Gideon. Because Gideon did this with a group of people called the Ephraimites. Let me show it to you in Judges chapter 8. Uh, the Ephraimites were, were criticizing Gideon, and this is what they, they asked Gideon. Why have you treated us like this? They were upset with him at some things he was doing. And what did they do? They criticized him sharply. They got up in his business, and in verse 2, it says, but he answered them. If you go back and read through this, uh, Gideon's basically saying, hey, guys, why don't you back off just a little bit? Like, I know we're not where we want to be ultimately, but we're not where we used to be. We've made some progress. We're eating better. You know, we're, we're closer to God. God's delivered our enemies into our hands. The Midianites, we're making progress. So why don't you back off? And he responds to the unfair criticism. Verse three says, when the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, what did they do? They chilled out. They were no longer angry. A spirit-led response can diffuse an unfair criticism. You can hush the haters through a spirit-led response. Now, from time to time, I'll get this question. Maybe you've asked this question. Maybe you've emailed me this question in the past before, but people will say this, Colby, love the church. Where's the cross? Maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've even asked that. A lot of people will say, well, Colby, how, this can't be a church unless you have a cross. And I want to address that today, just, just for a moment, we'll take an opportunity to do that. Um, because first of all, this is how I normally respond. Number one, nobody, not, I mean, nobody is more grateful than me for what Jesus did on the cross. Like forgiveness of my sin. Like you don't even know what my life looked like, you know, without him before, you know, I, I asked him to come into my life and make me new. Like this constant reminder, you know, is the cross that, that, that Jesus loves me and because he died for me, I can live for him. No one is more grateful for what he did on the cross than me, no one. But I will say this, um, nowhere in scripture is there a biblical mandate that a church building, right, must have a cross. And in fact, I honestly believe that if the early church, uh, was here, they would be horrified, mortified to see, you know, crosses all over the place. So you have to think about it in this terms. You know, the guys, the disciples watching Jesus die on this device used to kill, this crucifixion device, to come now and see it like displayed every, everywhere. Like Romans used the, the, a crucifix uh, to kill people before Jesus and after Jesus. It was a form of capital punishment. We can equate this to, to us today using lethal injection or the electric chair. What would you think, really, if you went into someone's home and above their mantle, above their fireplace, was a picture of an electric chair? Like, it would disturb you. And not to mention, and not to mention the fact that, you know, today the cross has become little more than a good luck charm. And because, and, and I understand this, but maybe my boys really don't quite get it. But they'll see celebrities, they'll see athletes being interviewed, and one second, GD this, GD that, F-bomb this, F-bomb that, and they're wearing this, this cross around their neck in the middle of this, this interview. Nowhere does it say the church should have this. And I just think of it in terms, you know, uh, of that, and 
I personally believe many churches have turned the cross into an idol, much like the, the snake on the pole in, in Numbers. If you remember you know, this story, every time the snake was lifted up on the pole and the, the Israelites would look on it, they would be healed. They would be healed. But it got to the point where they were worshiping um, the, the device rather than worshiping you know, the person who actually delivered them. And a lot of times we can put our focus on, on these idols, put our focus on the symbol. And I just think that this church should be represented more by not the art on the wall, but more by the change that's happening in the people's lives in the building. So I'm not against the cross. Please hear me that I'm not on a mission, not boycotting it. We have crosses up here on Easter, you know, from time to time. Well, we'll, I'm not against it at all. So don't hear me ever say that. Love the cross. No one knows how much it means to them more than I do. I'm just saying I love the cross. But sometimes an explanation, a spirit-led response can diffuse unfair, unjust criticism. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for you it's, you know, people ask you, you know, why are you driving that old clunker that you're driving? And you will respond, well, Dave Ramsey says, if I want to live like no one else, I'm going to live like no one else, right? For me, sometimes people say, well, Colby, why do you always, you know, wear dark colors? Well, number one, black is slimming. <laughs> number two, I have overactive sweat glands, all right? So I'm just saying, throw that out there. You guys already know that probably. It's a medical condition, all right? I need Botox or whatever they do now. But an explanation might bring about some understanding. God, help us to know how to respond, when to respond. Let's prayerfully consider how we respond to unfair criticism in our life. Number three is this, also no one to reject it. No one to reject it. No one to, um, as the, that great theologian Taylor Swift would say, shake it off. <laughs> shake, 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 shake it, shake it off. Dismiss something that's not accurate. Now, let me quickly say this. If 20 people or more are, are telling you something about your life, um, the same thing, that's probably going to fall under the constructive criticism category. But if one or two people, some people that, that have never had anything positive to say in the last 20 years you know, are, are talking about you, that don't know you, that don't know the context of your life at all, perhaps there's a time to reject it. Perhaps there's a time to dismiss it. This is what Jesus did. It's recorded in 1 Peter 2.23. He said this, when they hurled insults at Jesus, Jesus didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, Jesus entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. If you're going to make a difference in this life, you will be criticized. If you want to make an impact, you will be criticized. In fact, I'll say this. The more effective you are, the more critics you're going to have. The more effective you are in the workplace, the more effective you are as a student in your school, the more effective you are in, in, in a ministry, you know, having an impact for the kingdom of God, the more people are going to criticize you. The more critics you're going to pick up along the way. In other words, the greater the splash that you make, the more trash that you're going to have to take. The, the bigger the swell that you generate, the more haters going to hate, 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 hate. But I'm just going to shake, shake, shake. It's the nature of the beast. It's going to happen. But what we need to learn to do is rise above it and dismiss, dismiss, undo, unjust 
criticism. But why is that so hard? Why is that so hard to do? Because I know it's hard for me. I've had to search my own heart and ask God, why, why do I take it so personally? Like there's been times in my life, even in the season early on in planting the church, somebody would say something, I would just, I would internalize it. You know, I, I'd hold on to it. Why is it that we take it so personally? If we're being honest, I think one of the reasons is this. We're prioritizing the opinions of people above the opinions of God. We're elevating the opinions of people above the opinions of God. You know, when we sit there and say, I, I, you know, I want them to like me, or, or what do you think they think about me, or, or, or do they like me? Listen, not everyone's going to like you. You're not gonna please everyone, but you can please God. And when you wrap your mind around that, you know what it does? It sets you free. No longer are you a, a prisoner held captive by the opinions of people, but you're set free because you know you're not working for the approval of people, you're, you're working for the approval of, of God in your, your life. Instead of living for the crowd, man, live for God, live for God. The one person that you can please. In fact, I'll say this, getting hung up on what the haters say about you is the quickest way to forget what God says about you what God thinks about you. I'll just be real honest. Um, early on in this church, man, I was so sensitive to this. Uh, and I've had a couple of, you know, crazy things happen in this church. I don't know how long that you've been around, but since we planted, I mean, we've had the police show up at our church. Uh, a, a few, a couple years ago, we had the police show up at our church about eight, eight months or so ago, busting someone for possession out in our parking lot. And you know, as soon as that goes out, all these alerts come up, eerie alerts. You know, I don't know if you're part of that on the like Erie Facebook page. Bless the hearts of Erie Alerts. <laughs> After you say bless their heart on something, now you can say whatever you want about them, right? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> bless their hearts. But whoever runs that page, maybe you're here. I'm glad that you're here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like elevate church. You know, drugs in the parking lot, drugs in the church, all this kind of stuff. I mean, saying some unbelievably hateful things. I've been equated by these guys to, to Charles Manson. The pastor's just like Charles Manson. He abuses his family. All this different kind of stuff, just like terrible, awful things. And you know what? It was a tremendous gift. It's a tremendous gift. Like, why on earth, Colby, is that a gift? Because in that moment, like about eight months or so ago, when people started blowing this thing up again, can't believe what they're doing there, can't believe what's going on at that place, God spoke to my heart very clearly. This is what he said, Colby, I am so glad. I am so glad that there's an environment where the addicts can come that there's an environment where people who are hurt, where people who are lost, where people who are far from me can come. And I know, and I can trust you that you're gonna welcome them in. So you know what? They can say whatever they wanna say. But God spoke to my heart and said, you know what? I know you'll welcome them no matter the background, no matter where they're coming from. And we'll love them just where they are. So you know what? I'm so glad that you're here. If that speaks to you today and you're lost or, or you're suffering or you're hopeless, you feel helpless, you're, you're addicted and you're just, I mean, you're just figuring this whole thing out. I'm so glad that you're here. You're welcome here. We'll point you to Jesus because you know what? We're not gonna change your heart, but Jesus will change your heart. He will change your, your life. 
Man, no one to, to respond to it. And then no one to reject it. No one to dismiss it. And the closer I get to God in his heart, I mean, the less the critics bother me. And the closer you get to God and his heart, I promise you the less criticism will bother you. And somehow in that moment, I just decide I'm gonna rise above the critics. And just remember that I'm on a mission for God. And the reality is, is so are you. So are you. If you're a follower, you've given your life to follow Jesus, you are on a mission from God. You are not just a stay-at-home mom. You are not just a, a you know, landscape artist. You're not just a police officer. You're not just you know, someone who uh, works at a bank. You are a child of God with a div- divine purpose. You are a representation of Christ everywhere that you go. Don't you dare let some critic, some hater who doesn't know anything about your life pull you away from the mission that God has for you. We had this young uh, church planner in here this week who's planting a church in Boston uh, from C3 Church in Australia who's coming through here and just talking with him. And I love being able to talk to these, these young church planner guys and sometimes you know, they'll say, uh, man, but you don't understand what I'm facing. You don't understand the, the criticism, what, I, what I'm going through. And a lot of times I'll just say, look, man, toughen up. Like toughen up. Jesus took it. Jesus didn't retaliate, right? That's your calling. Don't do it. Someone's criticizing you for making a difference. So What? I would rather be a church facing millions and millions of critics all the time than be a church that never has anyone saying anything about us. So let them go ahead and criticize. Let them criticize. Ultimately, we're not living for their approval. We're living for the approval of God. Number four, number four, the last one is this. And you knew it was coming. Learn to resist the critic in me. Because while it's so easy to point out, you know, other critics, we first have to look internally because oftentimes we can be that killjoy, that, that critic. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, some people make cutting remarks. In other words, they just tear down, never use their, their words to build up. They just, they just tear down. Their words are hurtful. They make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Now, I can't speak for you. I can speak for myself. And the reality is, I can be a hater too. The reality is, I can have those moments where I'm, I'm critical. In fact, my life had been marked by that for, for so long. Just criticizing, just picking apart, you know, things here. And there, I would drive to church on Sunday morning. And I would see, you know, these hunters parked along the side of the road. And I'd be like, those hunters are going to hell. They should be in church. I hope a turkey scratches their eyes out. You know, I don't know, whatever they do. Just kidding. I'm kidding. But I'd start to criticize, right? I'd start to pick apart things. Here, here I am. And you know why I do that? Because pride. Because pride makes me think I'm right. And that also makes me smaller. When I think I'm being bigger, I'm actually smaller. I pick them apart. I pick apart other, other ministries. I go to a church service and I, I just think about, oh man, the music and, and transitions and graphics and different things. I have all this other stuff going through my mind. And God spoke to my heart and said, man, I just want you to sit and relax and enjoy what I'm trying to do. 
And so I don't, I don't pick apart other ministries with the exception of an occasional jab to a televangelist, all right, with bad hair. I'm just saying, every now and then, they, they deserve them. But why? Why do I do that? Because when I'm critical, it reveals something that's broken inside of me. It reveals um, my own weakness. It reveals my own sin. It reveals my own pride in my heart. And just like I'm called to rise above the criticism when, when other people criticize me, and that draws me closer to God, the more I do that, the less I, I feel the need to tear others down. I don't want to be characterized by cutting remarks, as, as Proverbs says. I want to love people up, not tear them down. I want my words to, to, to be wise that bring healing. Now, if we're going to turn this on you, the reality is some of you have some pretty messed up relationships. And the reason is, is because of pride. And you tear each other down and you, you criticize. And a lot of times that's born out of insecurity in your life. And you just point the finger and criticism never changes a marriage. I promise you that. Criticism never changes the world. You're not ever gonna be able to criticize your children closer to God. You love them up, you don't tear them down. I personally had to acknowledge the reason that I criticized was because my own selfishness and pride and arrogance and security. And the closer I got, the more I wanted to lift people up. So here's the deal for you. You can criticize all day. You can continue to you know, spew poison and vis venom into your relationships, but criticism never changes the world. Or you can find some things to celebrate. You can find ways to love people up, ways to encourage them, ways to, by your wise words, bring, bring healing, by, by pushing them closer and closer to who God is, to focusing on the good in people as you love them and not just continually tear them down and criticize. The world's not gonna be changed by criticism, criticism, but it will be changed by people who wanna find the joy, find the joy, rather than kill the joy in lives, but to find the joy. We're all those people at one time or another, but let's be a church, let's be a people that are marked by joy. It's marked by joy. Would you bow your head with me today? And even as we're praying in this moment, maybe God spoke to your heart. Maybe there are some areas in your life that you've been just ultra critical. Maybe people, and again, it's so easy to identify it in other people and not as easy to identify it in ourselves. And today God would, would challenge you, would convict you of the criticism in our own life. Because first, it starts with us. We need to resist it in ourselves. Because really, what it boils down to is our own pride, that we think we're right. And the Bible says that God works against the proud. That every time we're proud, there's actually this, this, this combativeness that happens between us and God. That's a bad place to be. He opposes the proud, but gives way to the humble. And let's just be a humble people before God. Maybe you'd recognize that in your own life. 
And maybe today you'd also recognize that there are people that you need to respond to in a loving way that would be able to diffuse some unfair criticism in your life. I pray that God gives you the power and the strength to do that, but also maybe just to dismiss it, to let it go. Why are you letting these things bother you for so long? Why are you holding on to that? Just let it go, let it go. And as we're praying today, maybe there are those of you in this this room that when I was talking about people who are lost, who are broken, maybe you're addicted to drugs or alcohol, maybe you're hurting, maybe you feel hopeless. I really want you to know that you're welcome here. That this church by and large was created with you in mind for every Sunday to have an opportunity for you to come face to face with Jesus who by his death on the cross made a way for you to have eternal life. And the way that you do that is through receiving him. The Bible tells us as we confess him as Lord, believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved, that we would have a fresh start in him, that he gave his all for you, for all of you, the good, the bad, the ugly. And the moment you call on his names, your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And he has grace for days to give you every day is a new day in Christ. So today, maybe you're brought here for that purpose. The God's spirit is calling you, is, is drawing you to him. The way you enter into that relationship is through prayer. I wanna pray with you. You can repeat these words out loud. You can repeat them in your heart. This is what the Bible says. Pray this with me. Jesus, today, I confess you as Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you died on that cross, sacrificing yourself for my sin, past, present, future. And so today I surrender my life to you. The only way I can say thank you is by devoting my life to following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, celebrate with those around you today that made that commitment. Praise God for you. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.